us in the grand sweep, you have been reading the book of Joshua. Um, and just want to set up where we are um, in the text that we're going to be using from the book of Joshua today. So the, the Israelites have begun to come into the promised land and they have uh, been conquering the land. And word about this has gone out before them and they're, they're getting ready to come into another place. Joshua has sent spies into the city to sort of scope things out. And they end up at a house of a woman named Rahab. Rahab actually hides these Jewish spies from the king's men who find out that there's spies here. And so our text comes from their conversation. It comes from the second chapter of Joshua verses 8 uh, through 13. And the they that went to sleep are the spies, the, the Israelites. Before they went to sleep, she came up to them on the roof and said to the man, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that dread of you has fallen on us and in all that inhabit the land melt in fear before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond the Jordan, to Sinon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no courage in any of us because of you. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, since I have dealt kindly with you, swear to me by the Lord that you in turn will deal kindly with my family. Give me a sign of good faith that you will spare my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. The word of God for the people of God. Notice in this passage, that, that Rahab knows all that God has already done for the Israelites. So I read that and I, I wonder how Rahab knew. I mean, there's certainly, she couldn't have heard about it on Facebook or Twitter or even the local news programs, right? So, so I wonder how this news made it to Rahab of all that God has done already for the Jews. You know, these Israelites that are coming into the promised land are not the Israelites that walked through the parted Red Sea. Remember your Bible history? They, they made God mad and he said, this generation will not make it to the promised land and so they were destined to wander around for 40 years in the wilderness until they got to the promised land. So even these Israelites had not walked through the Red Sea. They had not been freed from Egypt. They didn't even really remember what it meant to be a slave in Egypt. These Israelites knew about what God had done because they had been told it by those that had seen it, by those that had experienced it. And so as today we sit here in All Saints Sunday, I am reminded that we believe 
things that we have not seen. I mean, none of us were there to see Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt. None of us walked through the dry land of the Red Sea. None of us have seen the earthly face of Jesus. We didn't see his miracles. We didn't see him feed 5,000 with a few loaves of bread and some fish from a kid. We didn't see him heal lepers. We didn't even see him die on the cross. Nor have we seen the empty tomb. And yet, we believe. How is it that we have come to believe these things? It's because of the people whose name we've read that we have come to believe those things. And all the saints that have gone before us. We believe not because we have seen it, because we have been taught it. We believe because we have experienced God through other people. And yes, we may have supernatural moments where the Holy Spirit speaks directly to us. They do happen. I have friends that have received an audible call from an angel to go into the ministry. So when you hear it, don't tell them they're crazy. These things really can happen. But mostly we learn about our faith from those that have gone before us. I mean, maybe some of the people that we named were in your Sunday school class. Maybe some of them taught you Sunday school as a child. We come to believe because the generation before us shares it, tells us, and more importantly, lives it out by the way they live their lives. I had the opportunity when I was in seminary to be the driver and host for a dozen Russian Methodist pastors, two of which spoke English. And the two that spoke English spoke English well, and they taught me to say, hey, everybody on the bus in Russian. I've forgotten how to say it because I haven't said it in a long time. It was an adventure. It was, uh, I mean, these are adults, right? And so I took them to a Walmart. And they stood before the cereal aisle. And one of them said, my God, how many cereals do you need? <laughs> and I'm like, it's not need, it's want. And in this week that I got to spend with these people, it was, it was fascinating. This is early 2000. I got to talk with one who really spoke English well and I began to inquire about what is Russia like? What do they believe? How do things function? And one of the things that she told me was every Russian considers themselves a Christian because they're Russian. Think about that. They think they're Christians because they are Russian. 
Now there is the Russian Orthodox Church, but most of these people have never been. Most of these people don't believe. In fact, do you know what they call people who do believe? This is really largely the rest of the world. They call Christians believers. Look, the truth of it is, you can't inherit your faith. God has no grandchildren. Every one of us are a child of God. And yes, every one of us must find our own way to faith. We each have our own unique journey. Perhaps some of yours were like mine, kind of a winding journey. I didn't take the straight line. But all along the way, there were people that taught me. There were people that helped me. There were godly people that I ran into. I said, ooh, I want to be like her. I want my faith to shine like him. All of us, all of us stand on the shoulders of the generations that have gone before us. And let me remind you, the things that you believe, the Apostles' Creed, the idea that Jesus is fully God and fully man, those were all worked out by the early church fathers. I mean, it does not pop out of the Bible that Jesus is fully God and fully human. That was worked out actually over a period of decades by our early church fathers. The Apostles' Creed, it didn't just poof come out of the Bible. People worked on it before. We stand on the shoulders of those people who did the work. I mean, that's why you believe what you believe. I mean, the idea, idea of provenient grace, justifying grace, sanctifying grace, that's all the work of John and Charles Wesley. Y'all remember the Wesley Quadrilateral? Albert, Al, Albert Outler, Perkins School of Theology, came up with that in 1964. We as Methodists stand on the shoulders of Albert Outler. Remember, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Now let me just remind you, when we look at this, we see four equal boxes. They're not equal. Scripture is primary. Always remember that. When you see that little Wesley quadrilateral, they're not equal. Remember, scripture is primary. But we believe what we believe because we are standing on the shoulders of generations that have done the work before us. Yes, we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yes, we believe that we will never die, that our souls will end up in heaven with, with our saints that have gone before us and that we will see the face of God. But we learn about how to be a follower of Jesus from those that came before us. Maybe some of you are lucky enough to have parents that helped you on your faith journey. Not everyone is. 
We, the people of the church, we are the shoulders that the next generation is going to find their faith from. And so my question for you this day is how are you doing with that? Are you doing everything you can to be an example to those that are coming after you? I mean, maybe it's teaching Sunday school. Maybe it's just living out a life in such a way that people look at you and go, ooh, I want to be like him or her. Maybe it's sharing your faith with somebody younger, being a mentor for somebody going through confirmation. But I want you to ask yourself, are you doing enough for the next generation to stand on your shoulders and receive their faith? Are we, as a church, doing enough that the next generation can find faith in Christ through us? Are we doing enough? Are you doing enough so that that next generation can find their own way to faith? Let us pray. Gracious God, help us. Help us to be all that you are calling us to be. Help us to be that which is enough for the next generation to find their way, their way to us, their way to faith, the way to you. Father, put a fire in our belly. Make us passionate about sharing our faith with the next generation, however we encounter them. Make us bold to share our faith with others, that they may too come to know you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.